0: From KDNK Community Access Radio in Carbondale, Colorado, in the United States, this is program number eight of the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. When blind people go places, we don't experience things like our sighted friends. We don't see beautiful mountains or romantic sunsets. The goal of this program is to identify and even create experiences that are more meaningful or just more fun for us and our sighted traveling companions. Frequently, as people lose their eyesight, they become more and more isolated. The tactile traveler hopes literally not only to empower people to travel around the world, but around the block to new adventures in their lives. Blind ranges from people who are visually impaired and glasses and contact lenses no longer help them to live a normal life to people like me who are totally blind. And to sighted parents who have a blind child and blind parents who have sighted children, and people of all ages, interests, and physical abilities. This is a special program of the Tactile Traveler. Because of the worldwide reaction to the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota on Memorial Day, this entire program will be a guide on what to do if you are at the wrong place at the wrong time. And find yourself in the middle of a demonstration or riot that you don't want to be in. And suggestions if you're in a demonstration by choice. Before I went blind, I was crossing a street in Paris with a sighted traveling companion. And this huge mob of people came down the street from nowhere. There were so many people walking so close together and so fast. It was very, very hard to get out of the street to the sidewalk. The government of France had just announced that they were increasing the minimum work week from 35 hours a week to 38 hours per week. It even took us a while to find someone who could speak English that told us what was going on. Retired Alabama civil rights attorney, Jack Drake, had a friend who wasn't so lucky.
1: I had a friend who taught at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and he was in Paris doing some research. and he was walking down the street, turned a corner. and unbeknownst to him, there was a large demonstration of students going on on that street. And the students were being chased by the French police. And he was run over and knocked down onto the sidewalk, and he suffered permanent uh, nerve damage in his neck and never uh, regained the full motion of his uh, of his neck as a result. And I think that just goes to show that that can happen to any of us, whether we're sighted or not, when we leave a building and step out onto a sidewalk we really don't know quite what to expect particularly from directions that sighted people can't even see what's coming at them and for people who are not sighted of course they wouldn't uh, see it from any direction but it, it could happen to any of us is my point and uh, it's something that we all need to be mindful of that
0: blind white cane travel instructor quinn hobble had a similar experience, but with a happier ending. Uh,
2: when Trump got inaugurated, there were some protests here in uh, in Minneapolis, and uh, one of them happened to be right near uh, Blind Incorporated, the training center, um, which is kind of in South Minneapolis. And I had happened to, uh, I said I'd go and get my, at the time, uh, girlfriend and I something from uh, Starbucks, which is only a block away. You know, so usually that's just pretty easy trek. And I started walking towards the Starbucks and I noticed that there wasn't much traffic like on Nicollet Avenue and Nicollet Avenue is a really pretty busy street here in Minneapolis. And while I was walking, I started to hear kind of, uh, sirens and stuff kind of in the distance, which isn't too abnormal. Um, but then I started hearing kind of crowds of people and, uh, you know, and like I said, at this time I was on the sidewalk, so I was like, okay, I'll just kind of keep monitoring the situation as I walk. And they, you know, continued to come closer as I was, as I was going. And eventually they kind of stopped. Their destination was kind of right in the middle of uh, Nicollet and Franklin, which was the same spot I was going. So as I was crossing the street there, kind of all the crowd was also coming. Uh, And for the most part, what I found was people were very respectful. They didn't really, you know, there wasn't, it was a very peaceful demonstration. So there wasn't any, you know, pushing or shoving. Uh, People were just pretty much at that point standing, kind of in the middle of the intersection. The idea was to block the road. But people just let me walk by, you know, didn't really, you know, a couple people offered to help if I needed any help or asked if I needed any assistance. You know, they're really uh, very understanding.
0: Liz was also almost caught up in a demonstration and counter-demonstration.
3: The incident that I was part of with a protest uh, was while I was a student at the Louisiana Center. Um, we were at Mardi Gras and I was in a group of, uh, I think there were four of us students and then we had an instructor with us and we were walking around downtown getting toward Bourbon Street. And up ahead of us, we, we came to an intersection, and up ahead of us, there was a protest that was just kind of rapidly starting. There was some kind of a group there that was seemed like they were being very hateful and um, telling people that they were sinners and they were going to go to hell. And so they had a group, and there was a counter-protest that was kind of uh, beginning around it. And someone else was on another megaphone just going, blah bloody, blah blah-blah-blah-blah, to kind of you know, counter out what the group that was being hateful was saying, and then more people kind of started coming in from left and right, and were kind of joining with the counter-protesters. And I was actually really interested in it, just because, you know, it was fascinating to see it kind of happening, but since we were in a group, we weren't going to be able to really stay and participate, so all we did to leave from it was basically just turn back around and went back from the direction we came because it seemed to mostly be coming from in front of us and the left and right
0: of us. And you didn't go to hell?
3: I, I haven't yet, so none of us have yet as far as I know.
0: <laughs> Edward Bell is a professor and director of the Professional Development and Research Institute on Blindness at Louisiana State Tech University, which works very closely with the Louisiana School for the Blind where Liz Weisgarver went to school. He says they work very hard to expose students to any kind of crowds they might find themselves in.
4: Staff and students, and everybody is either blind or they're blindfolded, and they participate in Mardi Gras in New Orleans. So they stay at a hotel right on the French Quarter, and they go out and participate in the parades, and they go shopping and sightseeing and traveling all around downtown New Orleans. All the rumors you've ever heard about Mardi Gras are true. So you're dealing with drunk people. You're dealing with people who are holding Bibles and wanting to cure your blindness. You're dealing with everything in between. You're dealing with very, very busy, crowded areas where people are trying to get up close to the floats and the the parade stuff. And, you know, you're dealing with just different situations like that. So really the best way to prepare any blind person to deal with the adversities that life is going to put at them is to first equip them with that structured discovery training, which really gives them that problem solving and that, and that world real world experience. And then in a, in a very constructive manner, put them into environments where they have to deal with large crowds. we, take our students, we go to large conventions or conferences where there may be 2,000, 3,000 people all going to the same ballroom at the same time. You know, again, as I said, uh, large um, sporting events, uh, movie theaters, whatever you can conceive of, uh, you want people to do that. Dr. Bell has
0: some tips on what you might do if you'd like to get out of a crowd.
4: Well, first thing is stay calm. Generally, if there's a big you know, crush of people moving like that, you probably want to move in the same direction as everybody. I mean, the worst thing is try to to go up against the stream. If you've got, you know, 5,000 people coming down a narrow narrow corridor, uh, you don't want to try to go against the traffic if you can help it. But when you turn around and, you know, as you said, you're kind of in the crush and, you know, in the middle, you can slowly begin to work your way toward one side or the other. And through echolocation, which is being able to hear sounds off of walls and stuff, you can get a sense of am I right in the middle of the road or am I closer to the right side or closer to the left side or the hallway. And let's say you're in a big building and when you can hear that, you're closer to one wall or the other, you just keep moving with the flow of the traffic, but kind of sort of sidestep a little more, a little more, and kind of work your way back out of the crowd, using your cane, of course, to find your path in front of you so you're not tripping over other people or not tripping people and work your way over the wall and, and get get out of the flow of traffic. And then you, you know, can decide what you want to do from there. Professor Bell says, Don't say help.
0: If you need assistance getting out of a difficult situation.
3: Be very
4: specific because when you say help, a lot of people don't know what that means. And so what they're going to do is grab you and drag you over to the first police officer they find. Well, maybe the police officer is the last person you want to talk to, right? Depending on what the crowd is uh, for and stuff. So you have to be the one to say, hello, excuse me, could I ask you for some assistance, please? Can you please Uh, direct me uh, into which way is the way out of here? Or could you, could I hold on to your honest, you know, incited guide, which is When you're holding on to somebody, that's why it's important that you, the blind person, hold on to the sighted person's arm rather than them holding on to you. If they're holding on to your arm, then they're just pushing you in front of them and you have no control over anything. If you're behind them and holding their arm, then you can easily follow their movements. And at any point, if they're taking you somewhere you don't want to go, you just let go. So it's about keeping yourself safe, being in control of your own thoughts and actions, not letting yourself uh, be controlled by other people.
0: Maurice Perret was a travel instructor for almost 20 years and helped develop standards for certifying travel instructors. He says usually you can find out if demonstrations
5: are likely. Certainly anything can happen and things can be very spontaneous and and you never know. But the more preparation you do in, in advance to where you're going, you don't have to know every single detail about where you're traveling. There, there is fun and just exploring. Um, but, but the more informed you can be about, you know, are, are there demonstrations expected today? Uh, what's the news on the radio? What's been happening in you know, the last few days? What is the neighborhood where we're planning to travel? What can we expect there? Is it a, is it a commercial neighborhood? Are there museums there? And so, so just being prepared, for the type of traveling that one is going to do.
0: You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way on KDNK Community Access Radio. I'm Nick Eisenberg. On today's special program, we're learning what to do if you accidentally find yourself in the middle of a demonstration or riot, you don't want to be in. Now we return to Maurice parade, with tips on what to do if you choose to be in a demonstration.
5: So I've probably been to more demonstrations than most people that you will know, uh, because I've been a long-time political activist. So I look for the demonstrations. I don't try to avoid them by and large, although I don't Uh, choose to participate in, you know, breaking things or breaking the laws. But a good demonstration, and most of them that you'll encounter, are very well organized. There's a clear set of people who are, you know, leading the march and leading the chants, either in a vehicle or on foot. They have bullhorns, so it's a good sound clue. If you're traveling with a group or you can find a group when you're there, kind of stick with them, uh, those who are chanting where you think it's valuable to chant or you know have conversations and you you know it it's a it's a very purposeful environment where people by and large want to talk to you about what's going on. Uh, so it's a perfect opportunity to to open up and and strike up a conversation with people and and then you know that might be, what you want to do to kind of tag along so that you don't get uh, somehow separated from the crowd you intend to be with?
0: South Korean-based tactile traveler reporter Jason Struther covered a protest by blind people in Seoul.
6: Nick, that was a protest I attended back in 2008. There were dozens of blind and visually impaired people demonstrating in front of the constitutional court here in Seoul because they were worried that their constitutionally protected right to work in the massage industry was going to be taken away from them. There have been repeated attempts over the years of sighted people uh trying to get jobs as masseurs. But for over 100 years, South Korea's blind have had this exclusive right to work in the industry. Uh, And, you know, bit by bit, they have been losing their jobs to the sighted uh, who have found loopholes in. But still, the Mm blind still legally have a right to be the only people working as massage therapists. It's reflective of the lack of educational and employment opportunities that Korea's blind have faced. And it's not only in Korea. China and Japan have similar uh, provisions, too, for the visually impaired. And for decades, if a blind person was educated in a blind school, they were only taught massage. And I'm, I'm glad to say that now the blind do have more opportunities, and the government in the past several years has passed new regulations uh, for, let's say, quota systems. Uh, so many visually impaired people now are working in the public sector, as well as there are other training programs now to give them other opportunities than working in the massage business. Cited Koreans have found some loopholes over the years to get into the massage business. For instance, a massage parlor has only have one blind staff member in order to get the permit to uh, a business permit. So, groups of sighted masseurs will hire a blind person to be their de facto visually impaired person, so they can open up the business. But the shop, you know, will imply mostly sighted masseurs. But unfortunately, you know, back in the mid two thousands, when the constitutional provision that protected the right for the blind to work in the massage industry was being challenged, some masseurs who were afraid of losing their livelihoods went onto a bridge here in Seoul across the Han River. And this bridge, it's kind of known as the Suicide Bridge, and these masseurs threw themselves off. The side of the bridge into the river, so you know the the blind have lost some of their, um, some of their ability to uh, work in the massage business, but also they can't earn the same livelihood as they used to. So now I, I think blind people feel that there are better opportunities for them to do something other than massage.
0: Jason says all of the people were pulled from the river alive. Here in the United States and around the world, blind people are joining. Black Lives Matter demonstrations, some for their first demonstration. Fort Worth Star-Telegram reporter Elizabeth Campbell is helping us with this story. She spoke to first-time demonstrator Janice Stanley.
7: Well, I live in Minerva Park, Ohio, which is a small incorporated village that is surrounded by the city of Columbus, which of course is our capital city. And I decided to go to the protest because I really felt strongly that I wanted to hear what people were saying. And I wanted to be a part of supporting what they were saying.
3: Were you concerned about your safety at the protest?
7: I think knowing your location and knowing where the protest or the activity is going to be. And when you get there, looking at, I don't want to say escape routes, but looking at safe places to go, Um, being aware of your environment. This is going to be the hard part with COVID-19, but being aware of people who can assist you. If you have to grab a hold of somebody when everybody's running in different directions, you know, don't don't worry about doing that. Um, that was one of the things that came out of the the um, active shooter training. Was if you have to grab somebody or somebody has to grab onto you to get away, you know, don't don't even think twice.
0: Graham Turner joined demonstrations in Melbourne, Australia.
8: Yes, I was in a Black Lives Matter demonstration, uh, partly in the support of the. Uh, no, the the action in America with George Floyd, but also to um, raise awareness of in, indigenous injustice here uh, in Australia uh, against Aboriginal people and their deaths in custody.
0: Graham says he planned ahead in case things change.
8: Did get ugly? Well, I could resort to someone who I know is immediately with me to help me get out of that kind of environment. Uh, otherwise, if I was there on my own, it would clearly be a lot more challenging. I would have to uh, try and attract the attention of someone around the crowd, which could, of course, be challenging because they might be focused on speakers responding and chanting slogans to um attract them to my particular individual needs. So it could you know, pose a little bit of a challenge there to make them aware of that need.
0: Finally, Graham says, be aware of other people who might need assistance.
8: Just be aware that uh, in uh, protests, demonstrations, it's very easy to be fired up about the cause, but just to bear in mind too that there are people, particularly in uh, Protests around social justice that could be drawn in from all sorts of marginalized or diverse groups, Uh, not just vision impaired, but people with physical impairments or other kinds of issues, older people that might have mobility issues, just to be aware and inclusive and sensitive to those around you who might have particular or additional needs, especially in a case where people have to move fast.
0: I'd like to thank Jason and Elizabeth for helping with this story. Please wait. Okay, please step on the scale. Mm-hmm. Why, it's my talking scale, reminding us that we'd like you to weigh in on how we're doing. Please let us know by sending an email to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. We spell Traveler the American way, with one L. We'd also like to hear your story ideas from all over the world. Send us an email with story ideas in the subject line. If you would like to help underwrite this program, please send us an email with underwriting in the subject line at traveler at gmail.com. Transcripts of this program are available for our deaf listeners by searching The Tactile Traveler in any search engine. This program is also being broadcast on the Audio Information Network of Colorado and in other states. It's also available by typing The Tactile Traveler into any search engine and wherever you get podcasts. We'd like to thank the following people who made today's program possible: Be My Eyes, Microsoft Accessibility Tech Support, Bob Kreshner, Pam Scott, Emily Coleman, Carrie Thompson, Joan Eisenberg, Scott Murden, Norma Crosby, Susan Rowan, Cesar Lascanos, Ira, Lorraine Hutchinson. Sarah Williams, Sophia Williams, Lucas Turner, and Raleigh Burley. This has been the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. This has been a production of KD&K Community Access Radio. Carbondale, Colorado.